Thank you for the very kind words. I appreciate it so much. And the video was a complete surprise, and it really moved my heart, and I want to thank you. But today is, we are going to honor all the mothers in the house. Father, we want to thank you for this day, the day that you have made. And we thank you, Father, it's a day that we can honor the mothers in this house and online and around the world. And Father, we want to thank you for giving us Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that we are, are born again because of the price you paid. And we want to thank you for leaving us the precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you'll rise up big within me now, that you'll think through my mind and speak through my lips of clay. And I declare that I'm a servant, ready to be used by the Master today. And I thank you, Father, that I'll speak your word fearlessly, boldly, accurately, carried by the wind of the Spirit. I thank you that fear will be dispelled, but faith will rise up in the heart of your people. And here, we at Christian Family Church, we are not only hearers of the word, but we doers of the word, and therefore we have good, su good success in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, and you may be seated. As you know, family, every single year, Apostle Thea and I go to South Africa to preach in our church in Johannesburg, and then once every March, we like to go to Cape Town to preach at Apostle Ellen uh, and Janine's Bags Church down there. Well, while we were there in Cape Town this year, we went to one of my favorite restaurants called Delair, if you ever go to Cape Town, and the scenery is just magnificent. You've got beautiful mountains and the vineyards in front of you. It's just amazing, and the food is delicious. Nevertheless, while we were there having lunch, I saw a table next to us. There was about maybe 15 young people, and I knew that they were all from Europe. I heard them speaking uh, French and German and Italian, and they were millennials. And they were all sitting in a long line, but they were never still. They got up and they were taking their little videos and they were standing in a corner and they were videoing each other. And the one was talking and then the other one was videoing them. Then they would sit down. Another one would get up and do a little fashion show, one-on-one. -on -one. Then they would sit down. And then I said to Pastor Janine, Janine, do you know who these people are? What are they doing? So so she said to me, do you know that they are called influencers? I said, what do you mean? She said, yes. Well, they video themselves. They post it on Instagram. They post it on YouTube. Some of them have a million followers. Can you imagine? So when I began to study it for Mother's Day message, I thought about those influencers. But I concluded, in my humble opinion, that mothers are the greatest influencers on the planet. Because mothers are the unsung heroes. Mothers are, are teaching and influencing their children to be world changers. And so the young influencers that I saw that day, I thought about when they get older, their audience is going to dwindle away and their influence will come to an end. They will have no lasting value. But the influence of a godly mother can last for generations to follow. And that's why I've called the message today, Mothers of Influence. Theodore Roosevelt said this, when all is said and done, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. The successful mother, the mother who does her part in rearing and training, are right the boys and girls who are to be the men and women of the next generation, is of greater use to the community and 
occupies, if only she would realize it, a more honorable as well as more important position than any man in it. The mother, he continues to say, is the one supreme asset of the national life. She's more important by far, he says, than the successful statesman, businessman, or even scientist. And that's what he says. And I'm sure all the mothers say amen to that, right? So if you think about motherhood or being a mom in the home, have you thought how many roles a mother plays, how many roles a mother fulfills? Just think about it, and I'm sure you can add to my list. But I thought about a mother is a spiritual influencer. Number one, she should be a spiritual influencer. Number two, she should be a prayer warrior, right? But then she's a nurse, isn't she? Then she's a counselor. Then she's a personal chef because these days I'm vegan, I'm keto, I'm on diet, I don't do pizza, I don't do spaghetti, I do this, I don't do that. It's like, oh my word, but nevertheless, she's a personal chef in the house. Then she's a housekeeper and all the mothers said, yes, that's me. And then she's a teacher. Then she's a personal chauffeur, right? I've got to go here, I've got to go there, I've got to go this, I've got to do that. And who takes them? Mostly the moms. Then she's a peacemaker. When war breaks out in the house, it's the mother that brings peace, right? And then who is the storyteller in the house? It's the mom. Who's the entertainer? It's the mother. Who's a wardrobe stylist? It's the mom. Do I look good? Do I look fat? Does it make me look good? Who tells you what to wear? The mother. In fact, we carry on and even tell our husbands what to wear. <laughs> that never ends, right? And then mothers are the comforters. Did you do well today? <laughs> Janine? Janine? You tell him what to wear. He looks good. Okay, good. Here's a fun fact. Do you know that a mom will change up to 2,500 diapers in the first year of a child's life? And then it's estimated that she'll change up to 7,000 diapers before her child is potty trained. I'm not sure what category that falls into, but I do know that a mother's job is never done. Many of our Christian Heroes were profoundly influenced by their godly mothers. Take, for example, John Newton, who was a well-known preacher and author of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, as we all know, is the most, one of the most famous and loved hymns of the last two centuries. It's estimated that it is performed, sung, more than 10 million times annually. Now, Newton boldly credits his mother for his education and foundation for his Christian faith. And yet she died two weeks before his 11th birthday. So as I was thinking about that and reading about her, I wondered what kind of influence she was on his formative years, what impression she made on his life. We will all agree that, that we say you don't get much higher than a mother's love, right, family? Have you ever heard the saying, he has a face that only his mother could love? <laughs> you know, when babies are born, whether they're good, bad, ugly, oh, it's the most beautiful child in the whole world. And you just say, yes. <laughs> but a mother's love, every child is the most beautiful child when the mother sees it. So a mother loves her children unconditionally, and the children feel safe because of her mother's, the mother's love. And so how many of you said that we 
we relate to our mothers differently, uh, different stages and ages of our lives. For example, when you're four, you might think your mother is a superhero. She can do anything and everything. By the time you're 12, you think your mother doesn't know everything. Right, Uriah? <laughs> By the time you're 14, you say, my mother doesn't know anything. By the time you're 18, you're saying, my mother's not relevant. She's so old-fashioned. She doesn't know what's going on. She's so behind the times. By the time you're 25, you're thinking, huh, my mom knows a few things. By the time you're 35, you say, before we decide, let's get our mom's opinion. Yes. Right? And then by the time you're 45, you say, I wonder what my mom would say about this. And then at the age of 65, you say, I wish I could talk to my mom one more time. And that's me. I wish I could talk to my mom one more time. If I say to you, how many of you have heard about Morrow Coffee? Can I see your hands? Morrow Coffee. One. When I said to Apostle Thea, do you know who... Morrow coffee is? He said, well, what kind of coffee is that? I said, no, that's Billy Graham's mother. So we've all heard of Billy Graham, right? So one of the most fam famous evangelists of all time. But we don't really know about his mom. So I'm going to tell you about her today. She was born in 1892 and died in, 18, sorry, in 1981. She was the wife of a dairy farmer from North Carolina. So she was used to hard work, and there was always so much to do running a ranch or a farm, from gardening to milking the cows to canning to cooking to taking care of the garden, the hay, or whatever. But she was so much to do running the farm. Morrow never got a university degree. She never went to college. In fact, she never made a famous speech. But this is a mother of one of the world's greatest evangelists. She simply knew how to pray, and pray she did. She was the one who taught Billy how to believe the Bible. When she was interviewed for Christianity Today, she, this country-bred, country-raised woman who was so shy, she said with a smile, I just pray without ceasing for Billy. Even when Billy showed no interest in serving the Lord or learning the Bible, she continued to share the truth of, of God's Word until she said it penetrated her heart. She never gave up on him when he wasn't serving the Lord. She carried on praying for him. How many of you have heard Billy when he is preaching? He says, the Bible says, right? But he got it from his mother because she always says, Billy, the Bible says. So she carry, he carried on with that phrase and it became famous, but it's a phrase that he learned from his mother. One day when Billy was in France and he was doing a great revival, his mother was now old and bedridden and she was on her deathbed and he wanted to phone her to see how she was. And so he phoned her and she couldn't talk to him, so she gave him a verse of Scripture through her caregiver. And the Scripture was Colossians 1.9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom 
and understanding that the Spirit gives. So can you imagine this mom on her dying bed, but she's telling her son one more time, don't forget, Billy, I'm praying for you. That is phenomenal. And a few weeks later, she went home to be with the Lord. So the legacy of influence lives on. Her legacy of influence lives on in her children and their children and their children's children. So we can for sure say that a mother of influence is a mother who will pray for her children. I believe with all my heart that Billy's mom, when she went home to be with the Lord, she got the same reward as Billy for all those souls that got uh, saved around the world because she was praying for him. Even though she never left her farm, she got rewarded for all those souls because she was praying for her child. Praise the Lord. And that's such a great lesson for us as moms and grandmothers. Never give up praying for our children and our grandchildren. I believe when we pray for our children and our grandchildren, they will fulfill the will of God and the destiny that God has called them to fulfill. Amen. Amen. Even Apostle, uh, the Apostle Paul, he recognized the influence that Timothy's mother and grandmother had on him when he wrote a letter to Timothy from prison, and he said to Timothy 1.5, he said, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith, listen to this family, that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. Now, Timothy's mother and grandmother were early converts, Christian converts, possibly through the ministry of Paul in their own hometown. Not only did they know Jesus, but they led Timothy to trust in Jesus, and Timothy, Timothy saw his mother and grandmother's devoted faith in the Lord. In fact, it impacted his life such, to such a degree that Paul wrote about it in his letter. Paul says, I remember the real faith, not the hypocritical faith, not the one you speak and don't do, but the real faith, the strong faith, I, not the fake faith. I saw the real faith in you. And that strong faith equipped Timothy to become one of the greatest leaders of the early church, even though his father was a Greek and was probably not a believer. So it was his mother and grandmother's influence on his life that made all the difference. So as moms and grandmothers, it is our duty and our pleasure before the Lord to instill in our children and our grandchildren strong faith. We need to nurture them and influence them in the ways of the Lord, and God will fulfill His divine plan in their lives. You never know. You might be raising up the next Billy Graham or Timothy, Moses, Miriam, as long as we nurture them, put the word inside of them, God will continue to work in their lives and they will fulfill the will of God for their lives. If I say the name Moses, there's not one person in the house who hasn't heard of the name Moses, right? Even Hollywood made a movie about Moses when they did the Ten Commandments starring Charlton Heston, right? There he is. And so Moses was without a doubt one of the greatest men that ever lived. The first five books of the Bible is called the Pentateuch, and God wrote them through Moses. God also gave Moses the Ten Commandments. God also called Moses to deliver his people out of bondage, as we know, and take them to the promised land. 
Also, we know that it was Moses when she, he lifted up his rod when they came to uh, the Red Sea, and then the sea parted. So that's how God used Moses. But how many of you know Moses' mother's name? Put your hand up. <laughs> okay, a few of you, but it is a weird name, and she's only mentioned twice in the Bible, and her name is Jochebed, Jochebed. And she was a mother who took motherhood seriously. She was a mother filled with faith, and she felt that her ministry was motherhood. Her ministry was motherhood. And her ministry of motherhood literally has touched the entire world for all ages, all for the glory of God, and is still touching our lives today. Here was a mother filled with faith and filled with courage and determination to do the right thing. Recently, in fact, this last week, I spoke to two moms and uh, when I was visiting our daughter in Lafayette, and uh, two mothers spoke to me, and that one mom said, I've only got one child and I'm not having any more. So I said, well, why not? So she said, we live in such a crazy world. Who wants to bring a child in this dark, crazy world? Then I spoke to another mother and she didn't have any children. She says, I'm definitely not having kids in this crazy, dark uh, period of time. But you know, when I was studying about uh, motherhood and, and for Mother's Day, I don't think there's ever been the perfect time to have a child. I think there's been dark days right throughout history. If you look at uh, the time when Moses was born, it was a very dark t uh, time. Uh, Jochebed's life was certainly not easy. In fact, she lived in a very dangerous and dark period of time. In Exodus 1 to 6, we find the story about it. And it says, in time, Joseph and each of his brothers died. Remember, they lived in, in Egypt. They had such favor in Egypt. Now he died and all his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so quickly that they soon filled the land. Then a new came, king came to the throne in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. And he told his people, these Israelites are becoming a threat to us because there's so many of them. We must find a way to put an end to this. If we don't and war breaks out, they're going to join our enemies. They're going to fight against us, and then they will escape from this country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves, put brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down by crushing burdens. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramesses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites, the more quickly the Israelites multiplied. And the, Israel, and the Egyptians soon became alarmed and decided to make their slavery more bitter still. They were ruthless with the Israelites, forcing them to make bricks and mortar and to work long hours in the fields. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Puah. When you help those Hebrew women and they give birth, well, then kill all the boys as soon as they are born. Only allow the baby girls to live. Imagine living at a time when you were told that your baby boy had to die. But because 
The midwives feared God. Thank you, Jesus. They refused to obey the king and allowed the boys to live too. There you go, girls. Thank you, Lord. God is against murder. He's against abortion. He wants children to live in Jesus' name. Some people need to read the word of God. Amen. It is what it is. It's not my opinion. It's God's opinion. He happens to be more smart than me. Then the king called for the midwives, and they said, Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? Sir, they told him, the Hebrew women are very strong. They have their babies so quickly, we cannot get there in time. They are not slow in giving birth like the Egyptian woman. So God blessed the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives, look here, family, feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all the people. Listen to this. Throw all the newborn Israelite boys into the Nile River, but you may spare the baby girls. So it was in this climate that Moses' mother fell pregnant with him. She knew full, full well that if she had a baby boy, her orders were to throw that child in the Nile River where he would surely drown or be eaten by crocodiles. So when Jochebed gave birth, it was a son, but she saw he was a beautiful boy, and so she hid him for three months. <clears throat> Jochebed was like the Hebrew midwives. She feared the God of heaven, listen family, more than the kings of the earth. She feared God first, much more than the authorities on the earth. God's word is final authority. And we need God-fearing mothers today. Mothers who will fear God more than the kings of the earth. And all the mothers said, amen. That is us in Jesus' name. We know that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy our children's future. That's what he's after. He's after their destinies. And that's why it's so imperative as mothers and grandmothers to teach our children and our grandchildren the ways of the Lord. It takes faith. It takes determination. It takes time, and it takes effort. But Jochebed was a fearless, focused mother of faith. She landed in Hebrews 11.23, and we know that Hebrews 11 is the chapter where it's like the hall of faith. And she and her husband were in the hall of faith because when they saw that God had given them an unusual baby, they hid the child, but they were, I loved it, what the word says, says they were unafraid what the king might do. Unafraid. And we see here that Moses' mother put his life above her own. So she put her child's life first. When she could no longer um, hide him, she, she decided to do something. And I believe she went and prayed, and I said, Lord, she must have said, Lord, I need strategy, I need wisdom, and thank you for giving it to me. And then I believe God gave her a plan and told her to, to make a little ark and, and make a basket with papyrus reeds and waterproof it with tar and pitch. Because, listen, this is incredible. She knew that the Egyptians believed that the Nile River was a god. And it was a Nile, and the Nile River was a god that gave life. That's what they believed. So, 
She knew if she made this little basket and she put it in a strategic place, when the princess came to bathe in the Nile River, if she saw the basket, the princess would think that the Nile God has given her life. So that they would not, so her baby would be protected. And so Jochebed, listen girls, was brave enough to trust the Lord with her son's life. She put her baby in the basket to, to, to strategically, thank you, put the little basket where she knew the princess would see it. Thank you. But it was her faith in God that gave her the strength, the wisdom, the courage to carry it out. And in her heart, she must have known that the Lord would protect her child. But what a great lesson for us all to learn. When we are facing a difficult situation with our children, our families, we should pray and ask God to give us wisdom on what to do and turn over our difficult situations to God because because God always has the answer. You know, I love Philippians 4, 6 to 7. says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Say everything. In everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. So say this with me. The battle is the Lord's. He is taking care of it. Let's say it one more time. The battle is the Lord's. And he is taking care of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you know, we all know how the story ended. The princess came to the river now. She saw the basket. She sent the maid to go and get the basket. But in the meantime, Jochebed had sent Miriam, her daughter, to go watch over the basket. And so when the princess told her maid, go and get that little basket and brought the basket to the princess, I believe a little angel must have pinched that butt of Moses because as soon as she opened the basket, he cried. And then she had unusual compassion towards him. She was attracted to this little boy. Even though he, she knew he was a Hebrew, she defied the king's decree, and she took that little boy. Well, of course, Miriam saw, and so she ran down to the princess and said, Can I find someone to nurse your baby for you? And, of course, the princess said, Yes, please go and get a, a Hebrew girl. And so here comes Jochebed, and guess what? Jochebed got paid for nursing her own baby. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Prosperity for nursing your own baby. And so then when Moses was between three and five, that's what the Bible says, um, well, when he was weaned off her breast, but I try to find out in those days, because, you know, these days, Lord knows, it goes on forever and ever, but, um, but a year or two is good. Some go on for three, four, and up to some say seven, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. No, thank you. <laughs> Nevertheless, when Moses was between three, five, and seven, who knows? And then Jochebed weaned him off her breast. She had to take him back to the princess. But just imagine 
what Jochebed must have taught Moses in those short years that she had him. Under her influence and her teaching, she shaped his core belief in God, that God was the creator of heaven and earth. She must have told him bedtime stories. She must have sung to him. She must have told him about God. And obviously, she prayed for him intentionally and intensely. But imagine what she went through as a mother. Listen, family, giving her son away the second time. She had to trust God completely with her son's future. And as moms and grandmothers, that's what we have to do. We have to trust the Lord completely with our children's future. What a courageous woman. And I'm looking at courageous moms and grandmothers in front of me today. You know, she's only mentioned twice in the Bible, but what a mother. What a mother. She raised three incredible leaders. Number one, Aaron, which was her eldest child. He became the first high priest. The second child was Miriam, and she became the first prophetess. And her third child, Moses, and he became the deliverer. The influence of a godly mother knows no bounds. So we can learn from Jochebed. Let's look at a few of her lessons we can learn from her. Number one, pray without ceasing. Number two, trust, <coughs> excuse me, trust God with your children's future. Number three, we must teach our children about God in their formative years. Bring them to church. Make it a custom of theirs. And number four, in difficult times, Pray and ask God for wisdom and strategy on what to do. And God will give us the answer. Now, the last example of a mother of influence I'd like to share with you today is Dr. Ben Carson's mother. We've all heard about Dr. Ben Carson. He was a professor of, of neurosurgery. He's a professor of oncology. He's a plastic surgeon. He's a professor of pediatrics. On September the 6th, 1987, Dr. Ben Carson completed a 22-hour pioneering operation that separated seven-month-old German Siamese twins that were joined at the back of the head. Carson led that 70-person team. And that was the first operation of its kind. And then since then, there were four different operations similar to that. And one was a couple of Zambian, uh, Zambian twins. They were joined at the back, and they left the hospital with no neurological issues at all. He has written four best-selling books, one called Gifted Hands, Think Big, The Big Picture, and Take a Risk. So how many of us can say we can dare say he was a successful and is a successful man, right? But do you know that Dr. Ben Carson credited his mother as being his molding influence on his life. He said, all that I am is because of the love of my mother. Dr. Ben Carson's mother, her name was Sonia Carson, and she passed away at the age of 88 in on the 6th of November, 2017. And then he wrote a tribute on his Facebook page about his mom. And he said that she was one of God's greatest blessings to him. And she said it was her foresight and her discernment that pushed him to reach his 
dreams. So it's the moms who can get behind the dads and push our children to fulfill their dreams. Sonia was born in December 24th in 1928. She grew up in rural Tennessee. She grew up, she was born into a large family, but listen to this, she grew up in foster homes. She stopped attending school when she was in the third grade, like eight or nine. She couldn't read, she couldn't write. And guess what? At the age of 13, she got married. Married to a World War II army veteran who was 15 years her senior. He actually rescued her from a a home of abuse and poverty. In 19, and several years later, she had her two sons, Curtis and Benjamin. But in 1959, when Ben was eight and Curtis was 10, she made the most difficult decision of her life when she divorced her husband after realizing and discovering he never divorced his first wife. He had two wives, two sets of uh, uh, families, but he would always disappear, come back, disappear, come back. When she discovered that he hadn't divorced his first wife, she uh, had the courage to to divorce him. But those uh, that day when the father left, it left Ben Carson. He said he was heartbroken and he was devastated that his father left them. And there's those formative years when the father left were very difficult for Sonia because she, she battled depression and she battled poverty. She worked long hours as a domestic worker. Ben often shared at times that he performed poorly at school and he lagged well behind his peers academically, so he wasn't keeping up at school at all. So Sonia, however, taught her sons that it was in their power to change the situations in life, both academically and financially. Now, if anyone had an excuse to be, a reason to make excuses in life, it was his mother. She was raised in the foster care system. She came from abuse and poverty. She was a single mother. And her, her ex-husband didn't give her child support, but she refused to be a victim. She would not permit her sons to develop a victim mentality as well. Working as a domestic servant for successful families, she noticed one thing, that successful families read more books than they watched TV. So, According to Carson, his mother developed a plan that would curb their TV watching. So every week, she would give them two books to read, two books to read, and then they had to, they had to re- write a report to their mother, and when she got the books at the end of the week, she marked them that she uh, had seen their comments. But it was only years later that Ben and his brother realized, in fact, his mother was illiterate, and she was just marking anywhere. <laughs> but for, for Ben, reading was the beginning of his love to help him to become an academic. And of course, that took him to Yale University, John Hopkins University. But he, Carson repeatedly shared how his mother often told him that it was he and his brother could do anything, anything, become anything they wanted to if they put their faith in God and worked hard. You can't have one without the other. She always had faith in them, but she never allowed them to have any excuses. 
Her motto in life was, learn to do your best and God will do the rest. Learn to do your best and God will do the rest. Learn to do your best and God will do the rest. So Carson does not hesitate to acknowledge the debt of gratitude that he had for his mother. And he believes that she was responsible for many of his achievements. In fact, he quoted Abraham Lincoln when he said, All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Her relationship and dependence on the Lord provided her with the wisdom that she needed to raise her boys. So they went through college and they graduated from college. She was a mother of influence. So as we close, let's look at five lessons we can learn from her life. Number one, she put her faith in the Lord and she taught her sons to trust in the Lord as well. And we can do that. We can put our trust in the Lord and teach our children to trust the Lord also. Number two, she refused to be a victim. And in the kind of world we live today where everybody is a victim of something, it's so ridiculous. We live in the freest country of the world. We have every opportunity. If we get off the couch, stop watching TV and start praying <laughs> and saying, God, what should I do? And God's got a plan and a purpose. Number three, she monitored her son's TV time and made them watch and made them read books instead. So today, may I suggest that we monitor all the electronic devices that our children are on and make them read books instead, right? And number four, never accept excuses. And we don't have any excuses. With God, all things are possible. We have the mind of Christ. Number five, she taught her sons that it was in their power to change their situations in life by having faith in God and working hard. And we too can teach our children and our grandchildren that with God, all things are possible. What an incredible mother of influence. She raised her boys to be successful, and we can raise our children and grandchildren to be successful also. Well, mothers love their children unconditionally. That's why they are the best, and there are so many reasons why to honor mothers today. And mothers have limitless patience for the children. They make so many sacrifices for the children, and we want to honor all mothers today. So I would like the birth mothers to stand, stepmothers to stand, adoptive mothers, foster mothers. You may stand, grandmothers, godmothers, mothers-in-laws, mums who have... Uh, miscarriage. Mommy, if you've lost your children, they are in, in glory. And any woman has been a mentor to somebody, I want you to stand too, because stand because your child is in heaven and you are a mommy and you're mentoring many today. And so we want to honor all our moms in the house and tell you how much we love you. We appreciate you. We honor you. Thank you for your tireless uh, work and your prayers and your guidance and your nurturing to all the, to your children and to and to um, even if you're uh, mentoring young people, that's mothering. And so stand because we're going to keep standing. We want to pray over you this morning while the gifts are being handed out. Father, I want to thank you for all the amazing mothers that you brought to this house, and we honor them today. 
We thank you, Father, for their selfless sacrifice. We thank you for the time, the effort that they pour into their children. We thank you, Father, for the word of God that they teach their children. We thank you, Father, that you give all the mothers an understanding heart and wisdom on what to do in difficult situations. We thank you, Father, that you give her courage. I thank you, Father, you strengthen her. I thank you, Father, that you give her boldness. Thank you that she's courageous. Thank you, Father, for taking care of all the mothers because as Theodore Roosevelt said, they're the most important asset to our nation because they're pouring into the children of the next generation. So I thank you for blessing the mothers in a special, unusual way today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to lay hands right now on all the leaders. So if you wouldn't mind coming forward, we'll lay hands on you for an impartation of healing anointing. And I want to assure you that the anointing of God that's in the house is on these leaders. And you can come with confidence to be prayed for, whatever your need might be, all right? Whether it's a financial need or a um, family need or a, a healing you need, the thing is, God answers prayer, right? Does God answer prayer? Sure he does. Sure he does. So we're going to um, lay our hands on these folks there this morning. And we believe that God's anointing is going to come on them to lay hands on the folks. Are there any more leaders that need to come up? Come on now. Nancy, you know that you're a leader. So is Steve. Come on, guys. You've been here since the ark. Probably before the ark. <laughs> okay. All right, all of you in the front. Are there any other leaders coming out? Okay. All of you leaders in the front, say this please with me. Let's close our eyes and say this. Father God, when hands are laid on me this morning, the anointing of God will come upon me. A healing ministry will come upon me. I receive the presence of the Lord to minister healing through me for your glory. In Jesus' name. Praise God. I receive it. Amen. All right. Pastor Eva and I are going to lay hands on you. Let's pray, Don, before we pray for them. Father, we, uh, Bev and I agree that as we lay hands on your children, your servants and handmaidens, that your anointing will flow into their lives just like it did from Moses to Joshua, from Elijah to Elisha, from Paul to Timothy. And like you took the anointing from Moses onto the elders of Israel, so you'll do that here because this is your work. And it's your plan. It's your purpose. And the anointing is here to carry out your plan and purpose in this ministry, this city, and wherever you want to take it. It's your vision. It's your work. 
And so, Father, the anointing you sent is for this purpose, and we thank you for it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like you just to step away from that pole. I'll come back to you, okay, Apostle Christina. Watch out for that wire. So we'll start with Nancy. In the name of Jesus, receive the presence of the Lord right now. Receive the presence of the Lord. Receive right now the anointing of God. Receive the anointing of God in the name of Jesus. There it is. Receive the anointing of God in the name of Jesus. Receive the anointing of God in the name of Jesus. Receive the anointing right now in the name of Jesus. Receive. Receive the anointing of God right now in the name of Jesus. Receive the anointing of God right now in the name of Jesus. Receive right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, receive the anointing of God. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, receive right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for anointing of Honor right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for anointing. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. You want me to help you up? No, oh, okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for anointing. From Pastor Christina, right now in the name of Jesus. There it is. There it is. Thank you, Lord. I'm Pastor Joel in the name of Jesus. There it is. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Is he a healer? Is he a leader? Maybe he came for healing. Okay. Well, we will pray for the sick in a minute. This is for an impartation to leaders. There it is. Okay, uh, if you need, now leaders, come back up here, please. Don't go away. Come stand in front of leaders. If you need prayer and healing for anything, come on up quickly right now. We'll see how well this works. Come on, quickly. <laughs> Are you right there? Here he comes. It's coming. Okay. Earth to Pastor Janet. <laughs> Earth to Pastor Janet. Calling Pastor Janet back. <laughs> All right, come on up if you need prayer. Praise God. Anybody need prayer? Oh, it looks like the joy of the Lord is here, so Pastor Janice can lay hands on you for that. Anybody want the joy? Come up quickly. Anybody want the joy? Come on now. Let me get some. <laughs> Turn around. Receive in the name of Jesus. Anybody else want some joy?
He's come for prayer for healing. Go and pray for him. Praise God, praise God, praise God. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Drunk with wine is Satan's cheap imitation. Cheap imitation of the new wine, the new wine, which they've just been having some right there. Bible said, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God, praise God. God is good, is he not? Thank you, Jesus.